Hello, everyone. This is G Money from the Black Ops team, along with Booker T. And today we're going to talk, what about those election results of 2020? What did you learn from the election results of 2020? So that's kind of key. Did we learn anything as a people? Was there a message there? And if so, what was it? Okay, Booker, let's go. I think that um, the African-American population definitely showed up and showed out as it related to the Democratic Party. Um, so you can see that where there were definitely some upsets that took place that were a little surprising to some people in terms of how certain um, states turned around and went blue. And I think that that's going to be important uh, as we move forward now that that support was given, well, what is it? What are we going to expect in return? I also think that uh, this rhetoric that is being uh, spewed by the Republicans up under Trump's leadership around this is a hoax and things of that nature. If you look at some of the exit polls and the interviews or, or the surveys, I should say, that they've taken, there is a fair amount of the American American people that believe that there was voter fraud that took place, even though whoever the person was that was hired in an effort to make sure that the election was run properly, they, they sit in that capacity. I'm not quite sure what their position is, um, but they said, no, rest assured, there wasn't you know any voter fraud of consequence that could have swayed the election one way or another that turned around and took place. And they even cited that it takes even more for a entity like, say, Russia or someone like that to try to hijack vote-in ballots just because it's like it's so decentralized. It's not done by a computer and things of that nature. So, you know, it really brings into the question the validity of any of these claims, not to mention... Uh, the fact that they've gone to court in many states uh, and the cases that have been brought out don't seem to have gotten any kind of traction. So but this is, you know, you know, in summary, you know, what it is that I saw uh, as a result of the post-election. Well, my biggest takeaway was white anxiety. That's right. White anxiety. I think there was a blend of white supremacy nationalist nostalgia and cheap populism i think that's what we can glean from this election but most importantly what that equals is white anxiety i think we saw the fear that white folks have that in 2040 they are truly going to be the minority in this country and i think they played that out by one lying to pollsters canvassing in reference to the election and saying people lying about who they were going to vote for. Because you can't be up 13 points or 7 points or 10 points in these swing states as Biden was prior to the election the day before and then actually win by just a half a point unless the people you're canvassing are lying. Well, we know black people weren't lying because 93% of the black women voted for him. And I'm sorry, that's 97% of black women voted for him. And 83% of black men voted for Biden. So the only people who could have been lying to the pollsters would be white people. And I think that was the case. That's number one. Number two, they voted for a blatant racist, sexist bigot. 
uh, <laughs> xenophobic, all those nice little terms you want to give someone who's basically a piece of crap, they decided to vote for him. And I think that is a telltale sign that why that anxiety is here and it's here to stay. Mm. So I think going into this election, black people or people of color thought that white people would have the ability to sympathize with our pain, with our struggle and understand the systematic racism and value its impact on us. I think that we think as we talk about this and we see this, we show video after video of police killings of unarmed black men that people would see that and in somehow it would touch them and touch their spirit and they would change or move with us to help fix that action. Mm. And I think what we learned during this election is white people don't care. White people aren't sympathetic or empathetic to our plight and our issue. And it in no way moves them because it did not move their ability to vote for a racist or a bigot. Okay. So I just gave you two good examples of why we're going through a period of white anxiety. White folks just lied to pollsters in reference to voting for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. Two, their inability to sympathize with all the social injustice issues that have been going on for a minimum the last four years, right? The George Floyd scenario, the Black Lives Matter marches all across, not just the U.S., but the world. So that wasn't able to move the typical white voter. Now, on top of that, let's talk about coronavirus. We have this pandemic that's going on. Of course, everybody knows about. And 61% of the people going to vote said that was the number one issue to them for them to, to resolve going forward. 61%. Now, 51% of the people said Joe Biden was best suited to solve this issue where Donald Trump only got 43%. So we could assume if those numbers held true that Joe Biden would have won by 8% in most of the states across the country. Well, that's just not the case, is it? So what's that tell you? Well, the virus and the pandemic might be important, but my whiteness is even more important. That's the message that I got. So now let's cover some statistics. In all those polls, Joe Biden led by a far margin, eight points or more, in just about everything, except for the economy. In the economy, Donald Trump won by two points, 50 to 48. So it's almost negligible. It's almost a dead tie. But everything else, Joe Biden was viewed as better in by more than eight points. The coronavirus, favorability in reference to personality, uh, who could lead the country better internationally and in foreign affairs, all those things, Joe Biden. In the economy, like I said, there's only a two-point difference. 50 for Donald Trump, 48 for Joe Biden. So if that's the case, why did Joe Biden just barely win, especially in all those swing states? Well, let's go over some of those statistics. 76% of white evangelicals voted for Donald Trump. 76%. That's a huge number. Now, in addition to that, non-college educated white men, 
voted for Donald Trump. But we expect that, right? That's his crowd, the uneducated white male. But if we look at white voters in general, 18 to 29, 53% of them voted for Donald Trump. If we look at white voters between the ages of 30 and 44, 57% of them voted for Donald Trump. And if we look at white voters between the ages of 45 and 59, 61% of them voted for Donald Trump. And with white voters 60 years and older, 62% of them voted for Donald Trump. So look at those statistics. From 18 to 29, 53%. So already a majority of white folks are voting for Donald Trump. Even these younger ones that we think are woke and understand kind of the diversity world and what's going on in the U.S., 53% of them voted for Donald Trump. 30 to 44 57% of them voted for Donald Trump. 45 to 59, 61%. Now, why is that important? Well, these are the same people you're going to work with every day. These are your bosses, your supervisors, your coworkers, your peers. They're telling you what they think. They're telling you what they think about Black Lives Matter, what they think about the coronavirus and its impact on the diverse population. They don't care. Their whiteness and their white anxiety is more important than your issues as a people of color there's probably a question they didn't ask which is are you concerned about your country no longer being white if they'd ask that question then maybe the voting would align with the polls but there were some questions that were asked in a different survey that i'll go over with you here's an example white american Almost half feel that white America is under attack. Half the people in America feel that white America is under attack. One third of white Americans feel they must do more to maintain their European heritage. One third. Two thirds of white working class feel the country has changed for the worse since the 50s. That's right, two-thirds of the working class feel the country has changed for the worse since the 50s, okay? This tells you why we have the issues we do. Now, you also have to remember, statistically, the white race is the only race in the U.S., the only racial group whose life expectancy is falling. That means their death rate is higher than their birth rate. They are dying more than they are actually producing more kids. Also realize that if you look at kids today, 14 and younger, the majority of them are non-white. That's right. White kids are the minorities when you look at the ages 14 and younger. So what that means is by the year 2040, 2040, whites will be a minority in the U.S. That's important. This all adds to this white anxiety that's going on today and will continue to go on. So think about it. What did Donald Trump represent to these people? Well, white nationalism. That's why he appealed to the white voter because of their white anxiety and their fears. And that's common in all of his coded messages and direct messages, his dog whistles, whatever you want to call them, 
it was all about white nationalism trying to appeal to the white folks, his base, his number one constituent group. So that's what we have to be careful of and watch out for because it's coming. And most of us would say it's already here. That's right. That white backlash, that white anxiety that shows itself as white backlash, all those crazy ass white people doing things, all those Karens in the world that you've seen show up recently or lately. Yeah. And that's the white backlash coming from that white anxiety, that fear that they have that we are taking over and their country as they know it will never be the same. Now, so let's think about some of these or let's look at some of these tactics. It was stopping the quote unquote immigrants from coming into the country, right? One of those things that he did was he locked the borders uh, so that, uh, you know, individuals couldn't turn around and come in. He called himself shutting down the borders. Um, And in doing so, uh, he was, uh, you know, definitely impacting, uh, uh, you know, minority, you know, groups, whether it was the, you know, on the Mexican border or when he was locking up the children and all that other stuff from an immigration standpoint. I'll tell you this. And I think that this is why this uh, recap of the of the uh, election is going to be so critical, because I don't know that our people as a larger group understands what transpired. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So this conversation is critical because this is going to help to explain how and why what we did in this election, similar to what we did in Obama's, you know, run for term, uh, Mm -hmm. what's critical in how we move as we go forward has to be in that same manner. It can't be you know, well, uh, now the ones who decide to go out to vote are not going to be in those high 70 and high 80 percent ranges or 90 something percent range as it relates to our community. No, we need to we need to be present at those polls as you know, this political game continues, um, you know, and, and that's going to be critical as we continue to go in addition to holding the individuals accountable. Don't underestimate wine anxiety the fear it can instill in them, and the actions it can make them take. I'm going to rattle off a couple just to see if you own and understand what I'm talking about. So here's some things I view showing itself as white anxiety. The Confederate flags that you see, more and more of those waving, the statues that they fight to keep. Stopping the census early. Why? So people of color are not counted. Also during the census, taking to court that we will no longer count illegal immigrants in the census. First time ever that's been tried where they don't want to count the illegal immigrants that are in our country. But the Constitution says we shall count all people in the census. Halting immigration from countries of color to the U.S. That's the first time this has been done. Oh, by the way, still allowing a lot of immigrants from countries of non-color. Those Eurocentric countries. Again, pretty unique that we're doing that, but we're doing it specifically with this president and this administration. The Supreme Court Justice Amy Courtney Barrett fighting to get her in. Why? Of course, someone is going to uphold constitutional rights. Conservatism. Code for white. Okay, and all those federal judges they pushed in? That's another example of white anxiety. And don't forget voter suppression. All the different voter suppression issues that we have going on, 
even the attempts for Donald Trump to overthrow uh, uh, Michigan by throwing out Detroit. What does that mean? Or um, winning Pennsylvania by throwing out Philadelphia. Again, voter suppression in its ugliest form. And gerrymandering. The fact that they're trying to make sure these voter districts are what? Majority white versus having voting districts like, for example, block in Atlanta, where, of course, if you do the city of Atlanta, that's going to be majority black and give representatives a seat that's more than likely will be a black representative. So these are just a couple of examples that I'm giving you of white anxiety playing themselves out in society today. And these examples are open to the public. I'm not even talking about the examples you might see in your workplace, in your corporation, and your co-workers, your boss, your supervisor. Because remember, this isn't talking about, what we're talking about is just not political in nature. It is completely social in nature. And in all those social venues, work, home, church, wherever you might be, they will play themselves out. Keep that in mind. Don't be blindsided, people. So I agree with that. And I'll echo that with this because that's now I get where you're going with it. So I'll echo that with they also agree on their whiteness over sexism. So for these women and all of the things that he did that were degrading to them, his stance and his view as it relates to women, they were willing to put that to the side. In in an effort to support what he represents for their particular race. So I'm going to put those sexist uh, comments and and actions and um, those things that you would want to hold, you know, another man accountable and put charges on him for. You're willing for the purposes of this election to turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to let that slide. (laughs) So, you know, again, that's very interesting. And the reason why is because it is it goes against what it is that they're trying to do they're fighting for survival they are constantly uh doing research on you know them becoming less of the majority and as we know people of color in general uh, if you just look at the planet on on whole the 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 non you know people of non-melanin people are the majority Excuse me, the the minorities. Let me state that again. The non-melanated people are the minority on this planet. But in America, they are fast, very fastly becoming the minority. And this is why if you're, you know, if you're utilizing your third eye and your third ear to hear and to see, you'll see that their immigration policies favor European type countries. Those individuals trying to migrate here, they've got all kinds of benefits available for them. But if you are uh, a person of color trying to migrate here, then there's all kinds of roadblocks. So stop thinking that these people care about you because they don't. Stop thinking that they empathize like you because they don't. Stop thinking they're telling you the truth because they're not. And you saw that on election night. Those are the things that I saw. And what I saw was if we don't start coming together as a people and start taking care of ourselves more and more, we got a problem. We got a serious problem. Thank goodness we voted as a block during this election 
And we came together to uh, collectively put our vote together for Joe Biden. I mean, granted, 83 percent of black males, there was some slippage with 17 percent. Some of them because they listen to the dumb celebrities who don't know what they're talking about or what they're doing, who are worried about their own money and not the plight of our people. Um, but um, black women showed out at 97 percent and black men at 83 percent. So that's eventually going to give us some leverage. But imagine if Joe Biden had lost and we have to have another four years of this white nationalist leading our country. What would that mean for us as minorities? So from that standpoint, coming together as a collective is helpful. We just have to do that more often and through more different venues, not just politics, but economics as well. I think that one of the things that we definitely need to focus on is better understanding this political landscape, because there are definitely groups and factions that, that we've been talking about that were were uh, were definitely marketed to, and ultimately are going to ultimately get used. They were used to try to put him in back into power, and I mean it didn't work. But even if it happened, it wasn't as if he was going to continue to turn around and to play to them. You know what I'm saying? To to turn around and to oh I'm going to lay out all these things to to thank you for your support of me. Uh, you know, we, we, we constantly talk about this, uh, these, uh, 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 the, the, the rural whites that voted and supported Trump, but those are the same ones that are being now more heavily impacted by coronavirus, more heavily impacted by unemployment and all of these other statistics that are going in the wrong direction because they've been listening to him. And now all of this stuff that he didn't told them and they're doing, they're going around out there without their mask and things of that nature. All that stuff is coming back to bite them. And do you hear him turn around and saying, you know, I'm sorry I turned around and led you in the wrong direction. No, he's continuing down the path and he's doubling down on what it is that the guidance was that he gave him. But, you know, those individuals can't see it for what it is. Now I said all that to say that same thing is applicable to this Hispanic community that we're talking about, whether it's Mexican or whatever, based on Texas and their proximity to Mexico and what have you, those individuals voting in the manner in which they did, whether it's based on the machismo or what have you, that's not gonna play well as it relates to what it is that he thinks about your community and has no problem telling you. So if you wanna, you know, think that it's something other than what it is you know hey that's your prerogative and remember now we're the second minority now we've now slipped behind latinos in this country mm. as you know we were the number one minority now we're the number two latinos are close to 15 percent or more and we're literally just a little bit above 13 percent. so we are the second minority but we need to make sure we use that voting block because that voting block can get us some leverage Without that voting block, we've got no leverage. Here's an example of what I mean by that. The Latino population is bigger than us, 15% versus 13%. But because they're so scattered in their voting behaviors, the Cubans and Venezuelans voting hard Republican, the Puerto Ricans voting Democratic, um, 
the folks in Texas, uh, the Mexicans voting in multiple different ways. Um, there is no hard block for them in reference to voting. You have to go pick and choose with each group. But because we were a hard block, our 13% is more prominent than their 15 uh, because we vote as a consistent block. So that's the power of voting in a block. Even though we're second as minority, we are actually first in reference to influence. Okay, my second biggest takeaway, other than white anxiety, is media, especially social media, can be dangerous, right? Media itself, when I say media, that's a couple different uh, venues that go through media, whether it's print in a newspaper, TV, radio, or online with social media. Those are all the forms of media. Media itself and social media can be dangerous. Dangerous enough to overthrow countries because social media unchecked is a dangerous thing. TV media unchecked is a dangerous thing. But let's talk a little bit more social media because social media is actually the leading form of media today. 62% of people get news from social media, 62%. And of course, the younger you are, the more likely that number is higher. Okay, 80% of people in the U.S. use Facebook. 25% of the people around the world use Facebook. So think about the power that Facebook has in its media. And remember what it does. It directs people based on their algorithm towards things that are of interest to them. So if you're a white nationalist, you're going to get a lot of white nationalist articles, right? Steal the vote, whatever it might be. Um, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter are radicals burning down buildings and uh, looting. Antifa is a real threat to U.S. society and culture. Donald Trump is a great president who's doing everything he can for the American people. These are the kinds of things you're getting if you are a white nationalist and you have shown that these are the kind of articles you're interested in. You are not hearing another side of the argument or another story. All the information you are going to be fed on a Facebook and Twitter feed is information that is consistent with your already beliefs. So you are going to become more entrenched in your beliefs versus open to hear and understand there is a different story or a different world. So when they talk about these people living in a different reality, some of these uh, Trumpers, these Trump supporters, is because that's all the information they're being fed. And it's a continuous cycle of information that's been bombarded to them. So it's very similar to propaganda. They don't know any better. And they've been taught that the information they're going to receive outside of this loop is not credible. It's all fake news. So this is a dangerous thing where we are definitely creating a misinformation or propaganda channel that will keep people misinformed, build mistrust, and sow seeds of doubt, and unfortunately, create division within our country. Now, why are they doing this? Why is this beneficial to them? Because the algorithms they have are designed to what? Give you more of the information that you seem to be interested in. And that drives up the number of views, which drives up what? The amount they can charge advertisers and the amount of money they can make. Mark Zuckerberger, during this pandemic, has actually increased his net worth by $45 billion. He went from worth 
to 54 billion to 101 billion dollars. That's why. Why? Because Facebook has increased its net worth. So social media can be and is unchecked a dangerous thing. I mean, if you think about communist countries, if you think about socialist countries, what's one of the first things they do is the government controls the media. Correct? Well, the biggest media now is not news media. The biggest media now is social media. And social media is unchecked media. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes absolute sense. So social media is the biggest media we need to figure out. And if you're going to be a truly a news media, you need to have a certain level of certification. You can't be just telling falsehoods. There were some incidents, you know, within the last, you know, month or two of where uh, they tried to explain away some of the things that Fox did, Fox News did. And it was like, well, that's just entertainment. That's a news outlet. That is a supposed to be a viable news outlet. But when there were some outlandish comments that were made by some of the people that were on right. that network, they then turned around and said, well, they're just doing that for entertainment purposes. You right. can't have it both ways. That's them I agree. trying to spin it. That's them trying to spin it. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that this is what it is that they did. So you, you can call it what right. you will. It was not more than an outlandish lie. But but they tried to spin it as, well, that's entertainment and that's why they're doing that. But I wanted to also say that um individuals on the larger world scale understand that americans for the most part um like thing instant gratification mm-hmm. so being able to go to twitter and see what's trending or you know these other online things facebook this that and the other thing this is where is more easy and convenient for individuals to get their news. And as a result, they take those snippets and they run with it as the gospel. They're not interested in doing additional or further research. They just want the talking point so they can be a part of the conversation. For people who understand- Or sound sound informed. About whatever the topic might be. Mm -hmm. But for people who understand that, they understand the power it is by virtue of being able to manipulate that. Because now you can get individuals, millions of people, to turn around and to be thinking the way that you want them to think, even though you might be in another country or you might be from, you know, on a particular platform within this country and you want to steer the conversation in a certain direction. So you put all all kinds of things that may be false or what have you that you couldn't necessarily put on the news and or, and or you then turn around and bring into question the news in general by calling it fake news. All of these are geared to turn around and to raise uh, suspicion of what used to be credible and now make it that it's no different than what's on social media. So I can't trust any of that. So now mm-hmm. I just got to go with what I what what I know to be true. And I, and sometimes what that is is what you got off of social media. <laughs> okay, so we've got white anxiety is one of the results of the 2020 election. The second one is media and social media can be dangerous. The third thing I want to throw out there is that the pillars of our society are no longer what they were 
and are in danger of being damaged even more. What I mean by the pillars of society? Well, typically, since the beginning of time, mankind has decided there are certain pillars that make up society. What are some of those pillars? Well, respect of the human person is one. Media is number two. Government is number three. Education and science is number four. Business and free market economics, family, arts and entertainment, and religion. Well, I think some of those things have definitely been shattered as a result of these 2020 elections. Well, respect to the human person definitely doesn't come in play. But media and fake news, as uh, Donald Trump and his supporters like to say, and social media, in reference to its not governing of bad or misinformation, is concerning. And the government, for the people in the government not to stand up and say, move on, this is done, that's concerning. Education and science, well, definitely that we're putting our kids at risk of going to school, and also that we don't believe in climate change, uh, which is concerning. And the last one in reference to religion, 76% of white evangelicals voted for this man, who has shown all kinds of crazy and what we would consider to be nasty behavior but yet they voted for him. So again, those pillars, I question if those pillars are growing in strength or weakening in strength. And to me, they're definitely weakening. I just, uh, as you as you kind of put it into that context, I would suggest that um, some of those pillars that, that we believe to be uh, a, a pillar, they're a little bit more flimsy than we might like to believe you know what i mean that's just the reality of the situation uh yeah. especially when it comes to the morals of the country you know if you if you dig into it in terms of the atrocities and the crimes that they perpetuate on the larger scale of the world and then what we're, what we're seeing that they're perpetuating here at home you know what i'm saying yeah they might talk one thing oh you know we're the moral arm of the world and this that and the other thing but they're doing all kinds of dirt, not only to their own people, uh, but to, you know, the larger, uh, you know, the larger world as well. So, yeah, what I would say is they're no longer pillars of stone. They're just beaches of sand right now. Um, and uh, I do think that we try to play the high ground of moral authority across the, the world, but I don't think we can play that role anymore. OK, Booker, give us your closing thoughts. You now have the ability to make a choice. Um, and we need to be careful, when, when, you know, because most times when we talk about choices, choices, choice is an illusion. You know what I mean? It, it's two things that are presented in, in, a, in an effort to give you the, uh, 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 the illusion that you actually have a choice. But the fact of the matter is you don't. But when it comes to these things and these practices, if we start to move differently, if we start to understand that this stuff that has happened to us has not been by accident, but it has been deliberate, and then we start to try to move and shift in a different direction to work more collectively like other communities do, that's when we can start to make some, some substantial change and to lay down a solid foundation for the future of our community as we continue to move throughout this world. I couldn't agree with you more, Booker. I think you're spot on. So let me give you my final thoughts. Well, first, we talked about the election results being a bunch of different things. White anxiety, 
was one of the keys and it's important for you to know and understand this white anxiety doesn't show up just in the polling booth but it shows up at your workplace your social surroundings the supermarket uh, the job interview all those things keep that in mind as long as you're aware you have a chance to have a different outcome uh number two understanding that uh media and social media is a dangerous thing unchecked and you need to make sure when you're getting information from social media that you actually every now and then do some homework just to make sure that it is consistent with real credible sources out there in the world and third as it relates to our social pillars eroding the erosion of treating people with respect the media the government and even some of these religions that don't seem very Christ-like in their actions uh, as white evangelicals. But again, it seems like they're what? Focused on white anxiety and white nationalism. That seems to be their goal. Make sure you understand that if we continue to go down this route with Republicans and you know conservatives appointing more judges, both in the Supreme Court and the federal judicial system, gerrymandering um, certain districts, voter suppression in areas of color, what they're really trying to do is set up apartheid. All apartheid is, is a minority group in a country controls a majority group in the same country. Well, what's the best way to do that? Well, let's look at South Africa. How did they do that? They did that through, one, the legislative branch, which they currently have control over here in the U.S. Two, the judicial branch, which they currently have control over in the United States. And three, business and economics. By making sure they maintain their foothold in business and economics, the whites in South Africa were able to keep the blacks in South Africa in check. Well, folks, let's make sure we don't fall into apartheid 2.0 here in the U.S. Make sure you're aware of what you can do to change those three things in the legislative, the judicial, and in our economic power base. Thank you for your time today. I would also invite you all, if you're interested, we have free classes on personal finance. We also have free classes on real estate and building your wealth. And the third class we now have added to our grouping is cryptocurrency where again we're trying to educate our people as best as we can to close that wealth gap if you're interested in attending any of our free classes and again they are free you can dm us on twitter at black ops 47489162 yeah it almost seems like we're a russian bot but yes black ops 47489162 to make sure we close that gap we have to provide information The other thing we have to do is make change. We have to do things differently. Because you got to remember, if we change nothing, then nothing changes. So what are you doing? What effort are you making today to change who you are and as a collective who we are? Thank you for your time. Black Ops out.